Welcome back to the New York City Multifamily Podcast Q4 2023 update. I'm here with my esteemed colleague, Seth Glasser, Joey OneCap Cosum. We'll talk about that later. And Mike Millions Salvatico. Welcome well, to the pod, guys. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. How so just, just to oh, set the tone a little bit. Thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. Just to set the tone a little bit, we started this podcast 90 days ago with our Q3 update, and a lot has changed in the world um, over that last 90 days, and we're going to dive into some of those changes. But I did think as far as how much turbulence is in the marketplace, I'd plug us um, you know, one time quickly because we put $244 million worth of property under contract or closed just within the last 60 days. And I'm reading through a little bit of the food groups here. And we have three Manhattan portfolios uh, that involved interest-only financing, a big theme that is selling today. percent. A fully rent-regulated $50 million portfolio in Queens, a 58-unit on East 12th Street in the city, a development site on South 6th Street asking $20 million, two core plus opportunities in Brownstone, Brooklyn on Montague and Pacific Street, both trading around a 6% cap on cost, and a couple fully rent-regulated portfolios in the Bronx. We'll touch on what the metrics look like there. Three condo conversions in Park Slope and a couple random land pieces. So that's what makes up $244 million. If I could point to any theme in that, it's What's not there is is the hybrid, partially free market, partially rent stabilized. It's either all rent stabilized or all free market or developable into free market. But Joe, why don't we start with you? You you actually account for the majority of this 244, so congrats to you. Um, what are you picking up on in terms of what are investors are looking for with these assumable loan portfolios? Why are they attractive? Why are they liquid? Well, I think the big thing that we're seeing is obviously with rates moving so much in the last 30 days or two weeks, right? The treasury went from four, 10-year treasury went from four to almost five in the last 10 days. Um, Everyone that is buying right now is looking for some type of yield. And we had a couple of portfolios that we had a lot of interest uh, in because the the assumable debt was at 3.7% for uh, interest only for five years. So what was the cash on cash? What's the cash on so, cash return that gets people out of bed? So on, on brokers numbers, north of 10, on real numbers, it's probably 10%. Right, that's so double digit cash on cash returns for 80% free market buildings downtown in the East Village. Right, so Warren Buffett used to always say this. He said, what, what rate of return are you looking for? He said, twice the risk-free rate. So if the risk-free right. rate is 5%. If you can get into double digit cash on cash returns, you don't need upside. You just need stability. Um, so that's a you know predominant theme. If you're out there and you have loan docs that really allow for a loan assumption, we can likely replace you with a better borrower that will you know be okay with the bank. And this is how you can get some deals sold. And there's a lot of doom and gloom out there, but there's a lot of buyers that are still getting aggressive and like who the buyers are today. Like one of the assets, went, uh, one of the portfolios went to a foreign group. One went to a local uh, syndicator who had a high net worth investor who wanted some losses for depreciation and there was high leverage on the loan. So there's different reasons why people are buying, other reasons why people are selling today. And um, you know we have another portfolio out on the market for hundred million with $75 million of debt. So let's talk about this for a second with the assumable debt, because that's kind of like its own category, because we have a lot of clients who say who want to sell and they're like, oh, I have this debt, you know, from a few years ago. It's so much cheaper than it is today. Like, why don't you go try to sell it? Um, what are the types of loan terms and uh, 
rates that are getting people interested. Like if you have two years left on the loan at 4%, that's challenging. That's challenging. So you need like what, four or five years left on the loan? Yeah, I would say minimum five years, four four or five years, um, like you mentioned, Seth. Um, But the biggest issue is, you know, how some of these groups are underwriting it and being conservative on their numbers in five years or four years, debt comes due, what are they assuming for the interest rates, right? So I don't know, do you have a crystal ball, yeah, Mike? I, mean, I, I think going? that what I'm hearing all over the place is that most buyers are assuming that the rates are gonna stay like this for at least two to three years. And that's basically been the consensus. I think six months ago, people were like, oh, end of 24. Now people are assuming end of 25, we're gonna be at this level or higher. Sean, do you, well, ta- Sean, well, do you take on the risk of, of assuming debt for three, four years? Four or five years, I'd be comfortable with. Those yeah. portfolios you have in contract were 2030 maturities, so that gives sure. you plenty of time. I mean, I personally think that the recession is coming faster than we think, and I think that we in Why New York you're City- you're smiling when you say that? Because New York City real estate has already been in its own micro-recession because of our all regulation. So That's a big- the quicker there's a national recession, the quicker they're gonna lower the interest rates and give us some reprieve. Yeah. Um, the, so I'm kind of hoping for- a hard landing that, right? faster. Well, I don't want seven percent. Yeah, you just want it over years. with. Um, and you want some certainty. It, well, if you look yeah. at um, the last couple of recessions, the the interest rates went up like pretty slowly, and then they came down really fast. Correct. To yeah. com- to compensate for that, that's and, probably what's going to happen. That, well, that's the opposite of what's happened in the last eighteen months. The interest rates have gone up really fast. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to tell how quickly they're going to eventually come back. What do you down. think happens to pricing, though, if rates come down quick? Or is price going to go up? Because it, it's going to be a negative. If price, I think you're going to have economy. I think it's going to depend. Yeah. It's going to be really, really nuanced, kind of like it is right now. Yeah. where like uh, the hybrids aren't selling. I yeah. think that kind of stays the same generally moving forward. Yeah. I think the fully stabilized stuff continues to sell. The cheaper the basis, the better the, the location you'll do fine. Yeah. And the free market rents, I think, will kind of go in lockstep with rates and yeah. kind of where the rental market is at any given time. For well, let's talk about the rental market right now, because the one thing that's really yeah. going in our favor in New York is rents are still moving up. Yeah. And everywhere else around the country, that's not the case. So, you know, everyone that fled New York to go buy yield in the Sun Belt and Midwest are starting to come back, seeing the, the fundamentals of rent growth in New York City. Obviously, you got regulations, and we had some news this week with the Supreme Court not picking up the case with uh, the rent laws, which we could touch upon. I think that's creating some certainty from some owners right now who are on the fence of potentially selling. And now that there's less hope that things are going to change in New York City as as it relates to regulations, you're going to see more velocity. Does anyone agree with me there? I I think that rents, I mean, overall, I mean, we're seeing rents are down 10%, you know, since summer. Today. Down 10% off the high. Off the high, exactly. But, yeah. but, nationally, like primo, but nationally, primo, as primo, yeah. right? Yes. Where the, where yep. the, in the locations where the rents went the highest, there's probably like, you're given a little bit it's back. It's seasonal right? too. It's a little bit seasonal right. too. So. But to your point about what's the effect of the Supreme Court. So we're speaking today, it's two days after the Supreme Court decided that they're not going to pick up the chip versus uh, NYC case. There's still two other cases outstanding. I don't think any of the buyers that were buying 100% rent regulated buildings 30 days ago were betting on a Supreme Court win. But I do believe that a lot of sellers that were holding out for this one little last piece of hope before selling are now have the conclusion that they are looking for. And knowing that it's unlikely we're going to have meaningful change on the rent regulated side. And it's unlikely that interest rates are going to meaningfully drop in the next 18 to 24 months. So the question is, are you 
ready to stay wed to this building or this type of lifestyle for three to five more years. And we're starting to sense that the answer to that question is no, especially when you can sell capital gains or not and reinvest into a risk-free five and a half percent return. I mean, you can actually get yield by just getting cash to work. The alternative investments are becoming more and more attractive and more and more attainable. Um, so I think more people are going to continue to look for that type of, uh, opportunity. Remember it takes people like six months to actually like process, understand, accept, right? Like the, was it the 12 stages of uh, grief, right? Like step one, what stage are we in right now? Like you just like acknowledge just what it is. And remember June, 2019 happened. And then the rest of the year was like kind of quiet, like a little bit of a pause, little pause, processing grievance. And then 2020, we had a really big year. All these people were like, screw it. Like, yeah. And then I'm there, and then there on. was a window with rates, right? Where there was the window. With so, rates. so Seth, where is pricing? Carpenter Ave portfolio, Thayer Street, West 111th. Who's buying in the Bronx, Uptown Manhattan? What's the the, the new Albany group that's doing? The fully stabilized buildings are. Uh, the pricing is really nuanced, depending on the address and the quality of the building and the basis. So this is all lowest cap, highest cap. So what's the first metric when you call and pitch somebody a deal? What is the first question they ask you? Price per door, GRM? What are they asking? They're typically asking, uh, price per unit. Price per unit. I would say price per units. Number one basis. Um, you can't, in my opinion, bring a building out to market right now that's fully stabilized more than maximum seven and a half times the rent on the asking price because mm-hmm. you're kind of just like not even giving yourself an opportunity. But once you're priced in that seven and a half X or below, um, as long as the building's not in like AEP or some type of like really crappy location, you're going to get eyeballs on it. If it's a good building yeah. in a good location at a seven multiple and less than 130 a door in Manhattan and less than like 125 a door in the Bronx, you're going to get eyeballs on and what it. what are those seven, yeah. seven, close to seven caps? And those are basically seven caps. The deal on Carpenter Avenue, this was an estate sale that we put under contract. This was a little bit of a mess, so it's it's not really apples to apples. Um, this went for like 75, 80K a door because there was it was just High under the hood. Mm-hmm. This was like, mm-hmm. this had some you needed serious units. Yeah, yeah, like the elevator was down, the paperwork, estate sale, like everything that goes along with... Um, you know, nobody like checking in on the building like every day, you know, it requires like a little bit of maintenance on that stuff. And the rents were low, like the rents were just like stupid low and anything like the, I don't know if you guys remember, but every year when the RGB votes on the rental increases, they put together like a survey of the costs, what it takes to run these buildings for the previous year. And if the build, if the average rent in the building isn't like $1,400 a month, yeah. You lose money before a mortgage. Like, yeah. forget about paying debt service. But the cost to run the buildings are basically $1,400 per unit. Sure. So buildings, that's kind of like the divide almost, where if your average rent in the building is below $1,400, you're almost like in like one bucket. Yeah. And then if you've got a higher average rent, you actually could make money. And you're compounding 3% increases mm-hmm. on $1,800 look a lot better than compounding at $1,200. That's right? 100% what we're seeing. I mean, yeah. even the small buildings in Brooklyn, if you don't have rents above 1500 it's very, very tough to sell. Yeah. Above 1500 you know, we just brought a building out on Troutman. We had yeah. seven, eight offers within the, like, I think days, also, so. like, it's kind of funny just noticing this, like the, the tenants that pay the least 
ask for the most. One hundred percent. That's always been the case. Those right. So it's almost like like the the numbers are one thing, but also you're like, oh, like all these units with like nine hundred dollar rents. Like these people are going to be paid in my ass. You know. Yeah. And operation costs continue to rise. Are the profile of the buyer different today than it was a year ago? Like different types of buyers coming to the Bronx, heavy stabilized buildings. Well, there's no hot shot. You know, not, you know. not really. I mean, it's not like it was, you know, before 2019 where you had um, 20% of the market buying 80% of the buildings. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. It's a little bit more spread out where, you know, this guy takes one, that guy takes one. And maybe you have, um, it's just more of a, it's a bigger buyer pool in a weird way. And yeah. I, I kind of biting my tongue saying that because there's not like there's hundreds of buyers for these fully rent stabilized buildings. But like, yeah. if the location is good, if the bricks are cheap and the building is clean, there's a buyer for yeah, it. Yeah. And there's yeah. more buyers dipping their toe in, yeah. even with everything going on. I got a, a email literally a day after the Supreme Court didn't pick up the case group out of DC. They're like, they don't own any properties in New York. We want to buy rent stabilized buildings in Manhattan. Yeah, it was just a yeah. interesting oh, yeah. timing of an They're email. Probably, they probably looking at this like some crazy it's, opportunity, like oh, I can yeah. get an eight cap. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it's yeah. to your well, point. There's a there's a cycling out of the growth markets back to the uh, highly imbalanced supply demand markets, the regulatory markets in D.C., Boston, mm-hmm. you know, New York City, because there's no growth anymore in this. You know, and we're seeing the same yeah. thing out of Germany, right? So some of the groups that we just sold downtown to are, are German investors who. You know, I think their cost of capital is different and they're coming in and getting aggressive, buying all cash and, you know, they're hoping more down restrictive. the road. Yeah, yeah, they're coming they're, from they're an environment way more restrictive. Yeah. actually yeah. stricter rent Multiple year rent freezes and, and lower, yeah. lower cap rates. What yeah. about development, Mike? What do you see on the development front? I mean, I, that's I, a, another category that's bucking the general trend, I would say, in the prime markets. Yeah, I think the, the prime markets, there's still, there's very much still demand, you know, for these development sites. I think specifically the smaller development sites, Called the 25 by 100, you know, you can build a tax as 2A to be building. Those are very much in demand. I think a lot of people get worried that with 421A, nobody was going to buy, but people are still paying 400, 425, 500 are buildable in these prime markets. So we're getting land sold yeah. in Williamsburg and Greenpoint at a higher price per buildable than many areas of Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also anything that's a five unit or under building or a fully vacant building, one of the ones we just sold is on yeah. 6th Avenue. Uh, sold for three point two million seven hundred a foot. If basically the sellout on the condos is twice the the vacant shell price on an existing building, yep. you're in the money. So that's one of my quick, you know, bumper sticker just ways of of highlighting anything. So smaller land deals are selling. Yeah, and smaller I think, buildings are selling yes. with tax class protected. I, right, anyone you know, it's you know, scared of regulations or looking at five units and under now. Like you know, some yeah. bigger groups, right? Like we know some of the bigger names that are only yeah. buying. And they're buying at seventeen hundred dollars a foot. People are seeing the exits, right? Yeah. People are seeing that you can sell out these tax size two A two B buildings fully done at a five cap, five and a half cap. So you can see an exit, you'll buy and build. But why are That's they buying at five five and a half cap when rates are at six and a half? Usually exchanges because again they don't want to take their change chances in the growth markets because they're New York City people. And then when they're in an exchange, they're more worried about the regulation, the unknowns of hurrying into a deal that they can't properly diligence. So they gravitate to what's 
brand newly renovated, mm-hmm. five units and under, so I don't need to call down the attorney and just get my whole, you know, the whole what could go wrong scenario. And ideally, the combination of those two things is worth, so it's basically the, what is not, what is being able to sleep at night worth? It's yeah. worth 150 to 200 basis points. But you're seeing institutional capital also, wait, but hold yeah, on, Sean. More to me. But Sean. <laughs> I love sleeping. Yeah. Institutional capital is still buying these, you know, smaller buildings and they're not exchanging, so... Why are they? So that theory is the whole supply demand right. imbalance yeah. that you just can't create more free market apartments right now. So in general, they're just going to yeah. the rents will keep lifting, and there will be a cap rate compression on that category for the same reason. That's also asset allocation, right. I think. Right, like ten percent of the yeah. cash right. goes here, twenty percent goes there. They're kind of yeah. spreading it so, around. But that's interesting that there's so much uh, development yeah. happening in. Brooklyn, I, I and I wonder if that yeah. impacts the rents a few years from now. For sure. I think, well, I think there's not enough supply. being built, and I think some of the smartest guys that we're selling to, some of the biggest owners in Brooklyn, they're buying all cash, they're closing you know, two days, seven days, these type of deals, because they know there's not enough units. So being, we should be working Brooklyn, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's, there's not enough. Grass is always greener. There's right, not right, enough right. units being built, and they believe that when these buildings are finished in two to three years, that the rents are going to be premiums. So, so These, what, are, like, these yeah. are like little, they're 25, 30 footers, right? No, and no. Are, like we're, when but, we talk about small, we're talking about like under 50,000 thousand buildable yeah so but even the smaller ones but are these owned by a lot of private client yeah like long term so what are those sellers running their business out of the van what are they doing (laughs) well yeah so those sellers those sellers are are they're buying they're buying (laughs) those sellers oh my god these flip phones where do you get a flip if i see a client with a flip phone i know he's got deep pockets (laughs) 100 startech startech (laughs) and those sellers in in general are actually in the best position because all their values in the air so they can sell, and now cap rates are elevated on all the exchange properties. So it's a perfect thing. But are they buying the rent stabilized product, or are they going? They're out buying of state? finished product. Yeah. So like the one of our sellers in, in Williamsburg, he's going to buy finished product mixed use building, the six six and a quarter caps, yeah. you know, and it's just it's a win win because he sell sold them. a building that wasn't making any money. Yeah. So. We can sell him a few. We're putting three three two B buildings in contract on the west side of Manhattan today. At a six and a half cap. He only wants prime neighborhoods, though. And, okay, That's pretty so prime. This is this is also <laughs> what I want to keep the listeners to a cue on. And every single recession and recovery, multifamily bounces back the fastest. So you, to your question of how quickly will they lower rates, my opinion is they lower them faster than they r- raise them, actually, because we're going to hit some seminal moment. Stock market drops. Everyone's panic at the disco. And they're going to have to make a meaningful change to keep everything calm. Just kind of like the COVID response, right? Oh my God! No one can come to the you know to work. Let's just funnel a ton of money at people. But then there was a light switch that went on. Are we going to see the same light switch in terms of sales velocity? I think we will because our rents are going to stay high. In other markets, the recession is going to cause unemployment and rents are going right. to go down. Our rents are going to stay high, and the only thing that we have trouble with right now is regulation and high interest rates. So that that part of things will. But that's temporary, well. guys. And also multifamily bounces back the fastest in every recovery. So you'll see the cap rate compression happen fastest in multifamily. It's been the same way in every single, you know, recovery. But so, everyone still calls us once the distress situation wants, you know. Distress I, is here, guys. I, the 7% yes, cap distress. rate is distress. So yeah. if you're thinking that it's going to go to nine caps and you're going to be able to get a 200 basis point spread over the cost of the debt, it's not going to happen. You got to be comfortable buying unlevered and buying the best quality six to seven caps you can. That yeah. is what you agree There's that enough is. people in our market to yeah. buy property to catch the falling knife before somebody else yeah. will, right? Correct. Like it's never going to get to a nine per, nine cap or anything I like mean, that. I mean, some they're, will, but they're the- Some, the, but like- the, the certain situations. They're not, on, they're not in the East Village. No, not, not anything you would actually want to buy or like where the- 
the risk isn't factored in. How, That's how, when you know, foreign groups come in that are used to buying five caps in Europe. They'll come here and start snatching. Which we're starting to see already. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know what we haven't yeah. seen? We haven't seen a new fund. Like the true fund style of like, I have $250 million and we're just going to cut checks for every property, refinance later. We have all cash purchases, but there hasn't been the groups formed yet, which are probably coming. The new five to 15 funds, they're like, we're going to plant a big flag. We're going to do it quietly. And we're going to buy everything all cash and refinance later. There, and they're coming. There's, the, the, I think like they're the new Swedish group that came yes. a couple of years ago, yeah, someone yeah. Like, like that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh. They're scared, and those people don't want to get fired for doing something wrong. I think I think you're going to start to see a whole. There's always somewhere in the world that's making money. They're going to find their way to the general partners. Uh, well, you're saying you're going to see somebody making a bigger bet. Yes, bigger yeah. bets. And I think that's starting to happen. And seeing how the signature loan portfolio plays yeah. out is going to be interesting in the next 30 days. Right. So what are we hearing there? Uh, are we hearing that there's going to be a lot of workouts or a lot of forced sales? It's still up in the I think air. it's too early to tell, but I think there, there's a lot more certainty and easier to underwrite the regulated product versus the free market product for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone is was nervous that no one was going to bid on the stabilized product, but I think that's the easiest to underwrite and that's going to be the most saleable today. But so the... The FDIC, from my understanding, is going to finance both portions, the, both the debt and the equity. Not necessarily the finance. They're going to partner with an operator to help them. They're to, basically uh, looking for a property manager. They're basically asset manager, that they're really. looking for an asset manager, and they're going to put so much subsidy behind this sale that it's not going to sell at 50 cents on the dollar. It'll sell much closer to par as a result of their support. So there's not going to be really much room for crazy cheap, like, flips, like flipping out of it. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? It, no, it does. And the, and, the, and the government is going to control how the process goes. And they're not, you know, these operators that are trying to buy the loans are not going to be able to get to the real estate. The government wants there to be workouts. I don't want there to be workouts. I want there to be for sales. Want to be sales yeah. But that looks why. like that's the predominant way that the FDIC would like things to be attempted to be handled is to go to the existing borrower, figure out if they have the ability to, to repay globally, get a, you know, resized loan if that's what it takes. But the recovery would also, you know, would have to go through the modification uh, standpoint first. Now, what we, we are seeing a lot of friction, and I'm curious your take on the forced sales in the marketplace. There's a big difference in how lenders are treating borrowers if they have recourse or non-recourse. Oh, yeah. And we are seeing you know, buyer or sellers, excuse me, that have maybe a $10 million loan outstanding. Whereas before, if the property wasn't worth 10, I wouldn't even bother with my time. They're actually coming back to us and saying, can you get an offer at nine? Let me see what I can work out. Because the, the lenders PGs, are starting to work out. The PGs are PGs yeah. Yeah. and they got to. But most of the, most of the loans in the market don't have PGs, but those are. There are some loans out there with some of these debt funds that have partial recourse that we sold a few recently where the lender ended up taking a little bit of a haircut because knowing what's down the road and more distress coming and wanted to get out in front of it. Are you seeing lenders forcing people to do it now, though? I think they're forcing the hand, um, but not publicly. Got it. That's kind of what I've noticed. I think we'll see that play out over the next six months. I think that there's a little game of chicken going on right now with what's the value of the property? How much should I take a haircut? You know, that's where we can come in. You know, if you're out there, we can run a transparent process. We'll take the risk with our time, but we will deliver top of the market pricing and you can decide with your lender whether to take it or not. Um, So this is the, I 100% agree with you. And we've, we've talked about this. Like, how do you, how do you preserve the most equity from the lender's perspective and the borrower's perspective? Because there's kind of a few options, right? The lender can go try to sell the note at a 
pretty decent discount, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the borrower, the buyer of the note is kind of going in blind. What's the paperwork? Do I know the borrower? Yeah. It will be. It, will less he give than me the keys? Can get them. Right. It'll be less. Right. Sure. Or, or you can try to sell the building, but maybe that requires also a pretty big chunk of uh, pay down from the bank's perspective to get out of it. Um, well, remember what, the lender, what is less? The lender does not want to control the asset. Correct. They can right? take the asset because, back. Because then they had to pay double transfer tax, which we learned the last episode. Mm-hmm. And and that's not where they want to go with it. So they're going to have to take a haircut potentially. It just meant like it's kind of... It's, gonna, it's, it's a game played in the shadows because yeah. they don't want to be out there saying we'll take haircuts on loans. Yeah. And it's all playing out, I think, because look, rates... We when we had this episode ninety days ago, five and a half to six percent. We are now in the seven percent, you know, plus territory. So hopefully we're gonna start to even out and people can make rational decisions. It's very hard to work against yeah. a wildly moving market. But one um, thing that also came into play now is the agencies are starting to get, you know, obviously they're a little bit more aggressive, right? Um and um aggressive but conservative in the same, you know, but their rates are a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see more of the agency takeouts, and I think that's gonna play out. Uh, specifically as it relates to the the loan portfolio sale that we're just talking about. Well, okay. So now, okay. So let's just say, let's say the signature bank portfolio sells. And if I'm a borrower with a note that just sold, I have a $10 million loan and it's owned by somebody else. And they come to me and say, Hey, like, let's, can you go refi me out? so I can make my spread. So now, okay, I got to go to a new bank and get a new loan. So let's talk about what the lending market is like right now. And from my understanding, once you get above like 60, 65% LTV, the competition in the lending market really thins out. You're correct. So there's less savings banks. How do you out people that are over leveraged cash if in. there's like no... Well, that's why you're seeing no cash, demand, in refis, cash in right? Yeah. It's like, it's really thin, but anything like below 60%, I think there's like a lot of lenders out there who are like trying to like look to And then there's this that. rescue capital, right? Rescue Everyone's capital, talking about the rescue but this capital. Is, but yeah. the rescue capital, if if the normal capital is 7%, what is rescue capital? A lot more. A lot more. So who could more afford than, to pay rescue capital if you but, can't even but, pay... But their alternative is... What? Nothing. Give the keys back. Take it. And that's probably what's going to happen in certain situations. Some people are going to take the gamble and try to take uh, some rescue capital at higher rates to try to hold on. I, I, versus just I don't putting think more money the in. Conversations have gotten mature enough where no one's like that conversation has to play out. Like, hey, do, hey, bank, here's the keys. Oh, I didn't think he was actually going to give me the keys. I don't want the keys. Yeah. Well, it's also, yes, here are the keys. No, I don't want it. And they have well, to like flush yeah. through their options and right. really understand. And everyone's exploring different options. Like, what they can actually yeah. do. Yeah. I'm also seeing some owners recapping their current investors at lower values yeah. and resetting their promotes and and moving forward that way. Wow. Uh, that's not happening in every situation. Um, and it's not great to their, their LP, but the LP doesn't want to fund the capital call. Yeah. So- so they're yeah, basically, an, an hold on, wipe. let's stick with this. Yeah. Yeah. They're diluting that is you a know, wiper. the current equity. And through that dilution, there's a new basis. And if they're the ones that are coming up, if the GP is the one that, quote unquote, sourced the capital, there's a new promo Correct. level that's reset. So this is like the basically the GP providing the rescue capital 
and resizing everything. With a new equity partner that's providing it, yes. 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 So So there's a lot of friction between GPs and LPs. The the, the era of easy fundraising is over. You know, I look at some of the things I've invested into in the last two years, it's like, I would not do that today. Like it just... Everything was, you know, in your favor before. You know, everything yeah. seemed like it was it was up, good. up, up, up. Yes. Everything was going up. It was hard to make a mistake, to, but the LPs are the ones that are getting yeah. squeezed the hardest and wiped and Well, they're the ones that actually put their real money in. Everyone's asking in. where's the money? Where's Where, the accounting? Where's the money? What's the money's on? gone. The money doesn't exist. Yeah. And so rather than putting more money into the deal for a capital call, they're choosing to just get their equity wiped. Yeah. And then the GP can go make another fee go raise money from a different investor at a lower basis and just keep some, it going. Some investors have a lot of it. tough decisions to make, especially with debt maturities coming out even a year from now, two years from mm-hmm. now. And getting out in front of that today, understanding what it's worth today and what has to happen to make it worth more, I think is a key part right. of their diligence. Right. What's the business plan? Yeah. If we had to buy this building again today, which is essentially what you have to decide, what is the business plan other than- Everyone, Yeah, especially yeah. with now some more certainty around what's not going to happen with the rent loss. Right. Right, mm-hmm. so- do we that see a, a flurry of activity in Q4 or do we see a similar type of um, velocity over the last quarter? I think velocity will increase. We're already starting to see it with the BOVs being increased because now there's some certainty Correct. around not, nothing's going to change short term, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And the people that were on the fence uh, may have to make a tough decision to put more money in or just sell today. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm seeing and hearing out there. And it's really interesting. It used to be, you know, that the bank would provide almost a better option than the selling market. But today, you know, we go into every pitch. We're like, the bank will appraise your building for seven million. We believe we can get eight and a half million because we usually can. That's why they're only lending fifty five percent LTV because we're selling it at a higher valuation than what the bank's underwriting we to. Just can't so get bank to do the leverage, you know. So it, there's a big hole in the market with you know the, the the regional banks. I was talking to one person, um, you know, that was lived through two thousand eight to two thousand ten. I was just starting out then, so I wasn't completely plugged in. But he said it was actually easier then because the regional banks were still kind of healthy. They were getting pumped with money by the federal government, and in the fifty million and under category, they were still able to refinance finance you and rates were low. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the bigger collateralized debt that didn't exist, you know, in the in the GFC. But today he's like there's less regional banks, basically hardly any that are really that active and the rates are really high. So he's like this is almost worse from an operator standpoint of trying to refinance because there's no reprieve. It's like the money exists, it does it is out there, but it's very expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive and the I always like wonder, like I drive around near my house and you see like these kind of random regional banks, like who banks, who is putting your money, their money in like these random banks, but people do. And I'm curious to know, like if there's going to be any sort of further consolidation there, but the, the banks are really after the the deposits. They want the deposits. So they'll say, they can't lend more. So they're, so you're telling me I have to give you a bunch of money so you can lend it back to me at a higher rate. Like that's kind of what the conversation is like. They want like 10, I've 10% of the loan amount. Wow. So they're going to give you 60, 55 to 60% LTV. I tell everybody, I'm like, if you don't have half the money of the purchase price, we got to end the discussion because you're, you know, they're going to give you 55 to 60% LTV and they're going to require 10% of the loan amount. And their restrictions are getting even more, right? They're being more stringent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So this is fun times, guys. So um, lots of headwinds, but a lots of deals still. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah Spring twenty twenty four is my prediction when things are going to start to open up. Why is it that long? I think it's going to be the winter when Thanks, it gets Brent. cold out. 
I think we still need, a, there's still a little bit more. Pain I, I will have to plug Mike one time because he's been saying North Williamsburg is mini Soho and turning into Soho for years. And it's finally I now. You visually, I thought you said it's like meatpacking. Visually, it's a mix. It's, it's a mix. It's a mix. It's a blend. It's a blend. It's the best of everything. His, his prognostications have been visually confirmed. You have Hermes, <laughs> Chanel, Google, all the tenants. Everywhere you everywhere you shop, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, everywhere my wife shops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Great, uh, guys. I, still can't get her to move that. Broke. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, we'll see you in 90 days, hopefully uh, with a little bit more coin in our pockets. If you're out there listening and you are an LP that just wants to get hooked up with the right ge- general partner but don't have operating experience but have money to put out and want to take advantage of some very attractive valuations, please reach out to us. We'll put you in touch with the best in class. If you're out there and we can be of any assistance in any way, let us know. Um, have a great quarter, guys. Thank, Thank you. Take care, guys. See you.